0: it's good to be back with you those of you that were here last week no we were in colorado which is my wife's home where she was raised and we got to meet with colorado members of our safe harbor uh, filled up a cabin and the cabin was given to us for the week by one of cammy's high school friends that owns it, and that was quite the gift, so thank you uh, to the Frasers for allowing us to move in next to you, and then to also take over the neighborhood, because we had people driving an hour and a half to be able to meet t- together. And so, by the way, that's in mountain time, so we were meeting at 8.30 in the morning, so there's no excuse for the lot of you at 9.30 uh, at all, none at all. and. Cammy and I looked at each other and said, this week we won't be going out to lunch after because it's 9.30. And then Devin went a bit long, so it was almost lunchtime. Devin, we, <laughs> we appreciate you so much, Devin. Thank you for, for preaching, and I'll get back to that. But I do want to also bring up this. This has been in the newsletter the last couple of weeks, but not everybody reads the newsletter. Not everybody that gets the newsletter reads the newsletter. <clears throat> but you need to read the newsletter because it has important things in it and one of those is we want to do this on a regular basis so we're starting on May the 22nd uh after worship we're going to have our lunch catered here and we're going to talk just do us here's the state of the church here's where we are here's who here's who works here uh this is what the finances are and we're going to answer questions now some of you can't make it all the way here if you can we'd love to have you just let us know you're coming here's the email address you need for everything if you need the newsletter if you want to be a member we have stringent requirements email us Um, and and don't bring bees that's another one Uh, but also if you have any questions that you would like to have answered we're going to do this not online this time what we'll do is we'll summarize it and put it online later but in person uh, May 22nd we'd love to have you here and send in the questions you'd like answered and we'll take care of that thank you to Devon for last week uh, it was it was an excellent sermon as you know it will be with Devon except for the tattoo part <laughs> which if you weren't here he was trying to talk me into tattoos because everybody knows that's something true about Patrick, is that he is easily led by peer pressure. <laughs> and cannot wait to join any group that happens to saunter through. However, the Frasers not only gave us a, um, a cabin for the week, they got all excited and ordered temporary tattoos. <laughs> <clears throat> and wanted me to put those on, However, I'm going through these and they were made in China by somebody who had a dictionary, but not a grammar. (laughs) Here's one, tough girl whose soul aches. I heard many words about life, but still having a hard time. Um, I'm the hero of this story. I don't need to be moved. I'll, I'll just, solitary patience and patience is the one that goes to the doctor, solitary patience. And and then the dream is plump, the reality is skinny. I could go on, but um, we're just going to sit on these, shall we? And um, hold these for Christmas. Um, now, let's get let's get to why we're here. I I love to watch the Olympics and. Uh, You'll see the starter's gun go off and every so often people charge out of the chalks there and then they're called back. Somebody went too early. Something went wrong. There is a story in the very beginning of the Bible that we miss and we get it very wrong. We want to talk about it. It's one of the best known stories. And one of the first ones we tell our children, the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we've all heard many stories about creation, about how God made Adam and then Eve, and how they were charged with tending the garden, even how they were charged to guard the garden. But then they listened to a snake. They disobeyed God. They were driven from the garden. But I have a question. Why is this story an opening story? Why is this a starter's gun? Have we really looked to see what this all means? Now, in good storytelling, and especially in storytelling cultures like that of the Jews, you tell an establishing story. And then everything builds from that story. We tend to use things, stories in the Bible as discrete units. Here's this story, then here's this story. Then here's this story. And we don't understand that they're locked together like puzzle pieces. Jewish rabbis, by the way, through the ages, told us that the creation story was a poem. And it was there to counter other creation stories that were myths from the Mesopotamians and others. Uh, And then that Adam and Eve were the first people that God separated and formed a covenant with. They will say they were the first Jews. Others will say they were the first Uh, humanoids that had a soul You, you can argue about all of this by the way we have a very well read membership every time I mention a book on Monday mornings or on Wednesday I I find people go get it and then they send me emails about it so if you want to know more about this kind of storytelling and how it was done John Walton has a whole series of books all of them worthwhile but the lost world of Adam and Eve Is a really good one and the lost world of Genesis 1 and 2 is another very good one and it helps you get the establishment story because that's exactly what these are our story picks up after the creation accounts in chapter 1 and 2 sometime after creation perhaps a very long time because we're told Adam and Eve didn't start aging or dying until after their sin when I was a boy, I thought God made them, they got up, Adam looked over after his nap, oh there's Eve, and then they went out and had a fruit salad. No, it took a lot longer than this. There was insinuation, there was a pulling alongside, there was, there was a plan here. An enemy had entered the garden. If you remember, we're not going to deal with this part of it, but if you remember when they're driven out, that cherubim are put there with swords to guard the garden. The word for what they're doing, guarding, is the same word given to Adam and Eve when they were told to tend the garden. Guard this place. Many, many years later, Solomon would write the Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, and in there, a woman is praising her lover. And one of the reasons is he keeps the little foxes out of the garden. He, in other words, he protects. And that little fox is there as we take, metaphorically about dangers to your marriage. He keeps that away from us. Well, an enemy is in the garden. We all, we all know things, something went wrong. We look at the world and it just doesn't feel like the world we would have made if we were God. We would have made a difference we would have solved things in a different way. We see pain and evil, the rubble of war. We see tears in the night. And we think, if I were God, I would do this different. In fact, just a few years ago, the first Wonder Woman movie was really about that. And the psychiatrist that wrote those really wanted to deal with the problem of evil. And in that movie, she looks about, and she sees what we call um, World War I, They didn't know it was World War I at the time. They thought it was the last one. So they called it the Great War. And she says, why do you allow this? Why do you not stop this? And then, of course, she goes into action and stops the violence by massive violence. And we cheer her on because that's exactly what we would have done. And we wonder why God doesn't do things with direct action, including the violence against our enemies. But Genesis 3 is there to give us another story. To counter the stories of of other religions, but also to counter the stories that are in our head about what went wrong and about how to fix it. There are two overriding immutable facts of the universe. One, there is a God. Two, you're not him. These things need to be... Tattooed on our heart somewhere. You might cut and paste. (laughs) Somehow, they need to be a part of us. There is a God. There is a creator. We are not the creator. We are a creature. We tend to forget this. And Genesis 3 shows us how it's done. The serpent opens with what seems to be a simple question about God and boundaries. Did God, really, did God really say to you that you're not allowed to eat from any tree in a garden? Now, of course, God said nothing like that. He gave them license to eat from all of the trees and plants in the garden, save one and only one. But then Eve responds, and Eve goes too far. She says, we must not eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. Do do you see what happened there? The serpent posited a world in which everything is forbidden. Like buying beer in a store. Everything is forbidden. Don't play cards because somebody might think you're gambling. Don't don't move about like this. They'll think that's dancing. You know, don't, don't... Everything everything is forbidden. By the way, that's, this is the height of my dancing ability. Scottish, it's just what happens. Everything is forbidden. Remember that. So Eve responds by saying the truth. Most things are not forbidden. But then she added to God's word and made God's word Far more strict than God intended. Let that fall on us for a moment. You must not touch it or you will die. Eve was narrowing the list of what is allowed. Shrinking her liberty by adding extra rules like the narrowing the width of a football field or golf fairway narrowing it as a response to the devil she was going to out righteous God I find Christians trying to out Christian Christ by piling on the forbidden and then policing the limits that they set up the serpent disagreed with the consequences of eating the fruit note The serpent never disputed the fact that eating the fruit was forbidden. All the serpent did was deny consequences. Let that one percolate in our heads. Then, and here's where we have as a rule, lost the plot and missed the point of the story, is Genesis 3.5. If you eat it, you'll be like God. You will be as God if you eat it. That's why He doesn't want you to have this. He's jealous. You eat it, you'll be like, you won't need Him anymore because you can decide what is right and what is wrong. Okay. Well, the woman looked, and what was the word there? She decided, or she thought, or she saw that it was good. For, in other words, she made a judgment about what was good or evil she immediately put herself in the position of god and then she decided it's good it's pleasing and it would be beneficial by the way this is always where we also go off the track we always say what was literal and what was not and we don't know that it was an apple no we don't we don't know that it's an apple but we're going to call it an apple later today so just deal with it we understand it could be a pomegranate it could be a melon it could be whatever that's not the point that's like studying the story of of uh, the flood and deciding we need to measure out how much square foot a cheetah needs to live you're missing the point don't miss the point let the main thing be the main thing adam was along with her adam was right there the entire time he agreed with her judgment disregarding what God had to say about it, they formed a committee. And they outvoted God, two to one. Immediately, they started making judgments after eating the fruit. They were shamed. They decided that they were naked and that that was a bad thing. They started making judgments immediately after eating. The beautiful bodies that God made were now, in their eyes, shameful and needed to be covered. God didn't say that. Religion has made countless judgments such as that in Victorian England. you know let's cover from here, all the way down to the ground, long sleeves with frilly, frilly bets, you know stand this far away and all the, and this will make us more righteous. no, it didn't. there was more prostitution and sex trafficking in Victorian England than there is today. All the rules didn't stop it. All the rules didn't. I remember reading scripture and asking my Bible teaches things when I was seven or eight years old. Um, It says John, when he saw Jesus, put his clothes on and jumped into the water to swim to him. What was he doing working without his clothes on? And they began to tell me, well, no, there was this huge undergarment that went all the way down. And when David danced naked before, no, no, he wasn't really naked. Anything we could do to keep him back in line... I've heard whole sermons on modesty that were talking about how much to cover. Do you, have you looked at the Bible? Every one of the passages on modesty rails against wearing too much. Too much jewelry. Too much fancy clothes. Too much. Now there is, a chair behind me, there is also chastity. And that wonderful old King James word, I'm not a big fan of some of the old King James word because, you know, he was Scottish, but he immediately went to England. And anyway, but that word shamefacedness, yeah, there should, you, we should be capable of blushing. Yes, I think that we need to be careful. But look at all the judgments we make. We're going to talk next week about judgments in your lane and how we judge and then we're gonna move on this this is gonna be for the next couple three months we're gonna talk about this original story and what it's done when challenged by God what happened Adam the man made a judgment against his wife the wife Eve made a judgment against the serpent it's not our fault the true fault lies in another oh yeah I was angry and I laid on my horn and shouted at that driver, but they did this. Oh yes, I, I did have an affair, but my wife did this. Oh yeah, I, I cheated on my taxes, but have you seen what they used my money for? We always shift the blame. I'm the righteous one here. It's understand. and C.S. Lewis brings this up quite a bit uh, in his book, Mere Christianity, that when we do something wrong, we always say, But there's a reasonable excuse that allows me to do this. Exactly as they did. They were doing exactly what the serpent said they'd be able to do. Declaring themselves wise. The arbiters of right and wrong. I've heard many sermons about this. I've read many books about this and articles. But here is where most people veer off. And they go into lessons on obeying God. um, or, Or maybe something about sex. Maybe something about sin. And they stop there. The Catholic Church, which is, and we know we have many Catholics that are members here, we love them, but they looked back on this story back in those early medieval ages and decided this is proof that our bodies are evil and wrong and sex is a problem and therefore sex can only be for procreation, nothing else. Protestants picked up that banner and said, we can top that. And... (laughs) we can make sure that no statues are unclothed and that we're going to tear out those that are, you know, naked and all this other. And we're going to, we're going to put laws here. And we're going to make sure no one has fun. We're going to shut down fun. If you, don't, if you think I'm overstating it, read the life of John Calvin. Read the life of John Knox and what he did to the joy of religion in Britain, mainly Scotland, And maybe that'll explain why in the United Kingdom today, more than 75% of people profess no faith. Because the joy was ripped out. You can't do that here. Have you ever heard that in a church? You can't do that here. I remember once when we were outside Detroit, we lived up there for 10 years uh, in Rochester, and we were singing this song, um, And in a song, You Change My Morning into Dancing. Now, most of you know that song. And we sang it with gusto, but we never really meant it, obviously. And so we just sang it. But we had some visitors that leapt into the hall, uh, into the highway, and started going. (laughs) They assumed we meant what we were singing. I don't know where they got that idea. And and I watched a couple members, and you could watch like a thermometer. It was just going up the red. Just like, look forward. give them credit later on those very ones were the ones that went over and greeted them and loved on them and and so that was great but it it really was a shocker we don't do that here maybe we should maybe we should maybe you should I'm busy sorting things but then is it all about don't disobey God and make sure you behave Then what about Genesis 3.22? When God turns to the host of heaven and says, Well, what are we going to do now? Because they've become like us, knowing good and evil. What the serpent said was true. And that is what created the break between God and humankind. Death. The word die means separation. On that day, we surely broke. And we're separated. But more, it separated us from each other. Adam and Eve blaming each other and the serpent. And blaming and pointing. And if you don't understand this at all, spend five minutes on Twitter. Then get some eye bleach. We are still doing it. And it all started here. No longer relying upon the judgment of God, but rather upon our own judgment. We even say, and they said, and people have always said, that God agrees with us. We were here For the very purpose of disapproving of our neighbors and to find fault in their lives or in their churches or in their faith and to call them to our standard, which we always confuse with his standard. We made ourselves God in his place. I'll never forget just reading a scripture, talking about it, and a man came up to me red in the face, spittle flying. And pointing, and he eventually said a line he probably shouldn't have said. He said, "You are in disagreement with God." I just looked at him and I said, "No, I'm in disagreement with you, and I can tell the difference." It it went real well after that. <laughs> Again, Mr. Follow the crowd. Um, I'm not a Mr. Peace at all costs, but I'm I'm kind of peaceful remember i told you before that i used to teach students not officially just helping them out and sometimes going in to teach a special course but i'll talk to people uh, here in a couple of weeks in at ohio state university and all the universities coming together to do this and teaching that course that i do and but we're adding one this year i've called it the preciousness of others and it's going to be interesting to stand before a couple thousand healthcare people and talk about the preciousness of others. And one of the things I'm gonna tell them to do is to disapprove of somebody. And we're really good at that. I just say, look around, don't point. Just look around and see somebody that you can now imagine that you disapprove of. It's so easy. It's a person like this, it's this color, it's this weight, it's this attitude, it's this clothes. We find ways to disapprove. Now tell yourself a story to back up your disapproval, to make it reasonable, right, and proper. Maybe even Christian. Hmm. When you go to, when you look around, do you realize that's what we're doing? We judge people. We judge them. Anybody driving faster than me is an idiot and should be pulled over. Anybody driving slower than me should move to Florida, just get out of the way. Because, you know, Florida, home of the newlywed and nearly dead. And and I I love Florida, by the way, because I can pretty much outrun everyone. Anyway, the point, point being, I'm the standard. The way I drive is the standard. Faster or slower, you're wrong. You understand what I mean, right? We do that. If you love a food, And you say, I love this food, and somebody goes, oh, I hate that, immediately, what's wrong with you? Instead of saying, that's okay, I'm not making you eat it. Immediately we think, what's wrong? Are you, are you, we're going to talk about that next week. When you go to the airport, to me, that's the gut check. Airports are the gut check. They really are. It starts early. Whenever you get there and there's the line, are these people or are they impediments? Are they human beings or are they problems? The worst, I catch myself all the time. Holy Spirit likes to kick me at the luggage area. Because you go standing for your bags, everybody's standing around looking at each other. Get a little closer, checking around. And I'll, have you ever thought, oh, I hope everybody else gets theirs first? <laughs> now, if you say that you have, you're a liar. I'll catch myself thinking, I know I'm supposed to prefer others. It's really hard right now because I've got things to do that are important. These people, just look at them. No, there's nobody waiting for these people. Let me go. It is so hard to quit judging. I had to sit down and talk with the nurse who takes care of my mom. I want to stress, they do an excellent job in every way. But my mother was refusing certain medications. There's a long history behind that that I can sum up by saying my dad wouldn't let her take medicine because he always knew more than the doctors and it caused problems. But you live with somebody for 63 years, then you've been. it's hard to get past this. So I sat with the nurse and I said, here's why my mother is bucking the medication she has to have. And I told her some of the story and her jaw dropped. And she said, I had no idea. Went, yeah. And she said, thank you. I needed to remember that everybody here has this history. Well, this is a great woman. This is a good person who takes care of my mother. And she said, I needed to be reminded. I think we all need to be reminded That everybody brings their history their worries their fears their successes their ideas and yes their judgments with them they're not npcs everybody under 40 knows exactly what i mean non-playing character whenever you're playing a video game there will always be other people there not all of them have a human being behind them they have a bot they have artificial intelligence and these are non-playing characters that really have no purpose at all Except to keep the game going. No, we're real people. We have a real backstory. But the root of all sins is the fact that each of us act like we're a little God instead of the children of God who God alone can make judgments about right and wrong. You want further proof? Some of you are already thinking certain thoughts. Justifying your judgments by saying, but they, they, they really are, in fact, the true judgments of God. And you'll open your Bibles, always a good thing, and read them out. If you are reading in context, and if the passage applies to the situation at hand, then it's not you, but God making the judgment. Cool. But however, even then, it is to be offered in humility, because even then you might be wrong Hebrews chapter 4 starting at verse 1 as a prisoner for the Lord I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received be completely humble and gentle bearing be patient bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace by the way there is no gift of judgment given in Scripture. There's a gift of mercy, the gift of tongues, there's a gift of healings, there's a gift of all these gifts that are in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. You find these gifts, list some, there's never one about judging. And here he's saying, be gentle, be unified with each other. All of us, all of us the grace has been given. And then down to verse 14, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Many times in my life I've had people say we're, you know, we love you and we're just telling you the truth but there was no love there. Sure didn't feel loving. We have to be very careful about what we call love and about what we call truth. We are to be gentle. Remember this phrase truth without compassion is hostility. Truth without compassion is hostility. There is no gift given us that allows us to eat the apple and cause the problem in matthew chapter seven very famously in the first five verses judge not that you be not judged because whatever measure you use against others will be used against you that's terrifying we are not to judge others we are to serve them we do not disapprove of others we love them that's why becoming a member here is so hard (laughs) let us know you want to be and people will say well well I can't really say that Apostles Creed that we've we just had so much response we just keep showing from around the world Uh, and our new country is Nigeria so yes you were right Uh, Nigeria is so exciting the um anyway so yes well what if you can't say that what if there are a couple lines there that you're not sure you believe okay It's not our job to disapprove. It's our job to love you. It's not our job to judge. It's our job to serve you. This world will not believe in heaven until they see it in us. And no wonder so few want to go to heaven if they think church people are going to be there. (laughs) We got to be Christian, not church people greg boyd wrote the book repenting of religion it's a really good book scary book i'm going to read a couple of paragraphs i tend not to do that and i know my time's almost i think i can make it that really got to devon didn't it <laughs> what you don't know is that dave advances at every so often he's thinking i don't that's not moving He'd caught himself looking around, making judgments quietly and never really thinking about it. He said, so I stopped. I determined to have one thought and one thought only about every person I saw in the mall on that afternoon. And it was to love them and bless them as people uniquely created by God who have infinite worth because Jesus died for them. Whatever they look like, however they were behaving, whatever their demeanor, I simply agreed with God that each of them has infinite worth. I just loved them i began randomly selecting people in the crowd to love and bless as i replaced judgmental thoughts with loving thoughts and prayers of blessing something extraordinary began to happen i began to see the worth i was ascribing to people i began to feel the love i was giving to them as i ascribed worth to people not allowing any other thought opinion or feeling to enter my mind my heart began to expand. In fact, at certain moments, I felt as though I would explode with love. I was waking up to the immeasurable value and beauty of each person in the mall that afternoon. What if? What if we did the same? I'm going to ask Craig to come up here. Are you doing a solo on this, this song, right? I think, yeah. As he comes up to get ready, We lived in Myrtle Beach for a year, was it just about a year? I think maybe a bit longer. Regardless, the traffic in Myrtle Beach is insane, because you have little roads and everybody wants to come play golf, right? And a man walked in, as they always did, he walked in just complaining about the traffic. And I said, how'd you get here? He looked at me and said, well, I drove. I said, so you're complaining about a problem that you're a part of we will never be who we are supposed to be unless we acknowledge our part in the problem the judging of others we need a reset that's what this series will be all about we need to acknowledge the two immutable facts there is a god we're not him and then act accordingly the great tim o'brien and he is he's just great um, writer does a lot of songs about Appalachia and about the coming over the Scots and the Irish and the like but he's just a nice person as well has given us permission to use a song that actually should be the theme song for this series once Gail uh, Herbert showed it to me I went that's my sermon but better so <laughs> he uh he is and his company have given us gracious permission for Craig to do the song, Can't, we had, did not launch early enough. We don't. I don't think he we have lyrics. Me, the, well, he didn't know it's going to be you, right? Uh, that's true. But, but yeah. <laughs> well see, we judge you higher than that. But uh, Tim, Tim did great, and I think you'll see why we chose this song. May God bless us.